Welcome to Chit Chat with Hope. Good night, good night, good night. Tonight I am going to welcome you again and thank you all for listening. For those of you that have shared and invited other people in to listen to me weekly, I thank you. Tonight I'm going to talk about a very important um, topic. Um, for some people, it's very hard to engage their children into um, different plays or different activities where it is more geared towards learning on your part, and somehow you're going to hope that they're having fun. I'm going, I mean, I've read where... Um, you know, like some experts as well as some parents will say, well, whenever they're ready. Or some people say, I'm not going to force them. If it happens, it happens. I want you to understand it has nothing to do with forcing your child. Um, it has nothing to do with the fact that you're trying to push them into learning things that you or I might feel that is needed, and we're going to rush them to learn. We're going to rush their process. We're not. However, I want you to understand that if you don't introduce new things, meaning new activities, new things that you want your children to learn, someone have to introduce it to them. So whether it's you or it's the school, it doesn't matter, Right? And children learn better when school and home become a partnership, right? I'm going to say that again. Children learn more and become more advanced regardless of their disability or limitation when school and home become a partnership. So let me go on. I'm going to continue. As usual, um, I like to give example of my life as far as being on the spectrum, you know, as far as my son being on the spectrum. And I have just been a, you know, not even driving it. I've just been a wonderful passenger to this journey with my son. And at one point, this is um, at one point, right? I wanted my son to, um, you know, like when children see a dog, right? And if they see something that looks similar like a dog, they will just call all animal a dog, you know, if it looks similar, right? I wanted him to know the difference between animals that um, somewhat look similar, right? So I started off with the basic that I thought that he would truly understand, right? And that would be a dog because you can almost, even if you don't have a dog, if you're watching TV long enough, you'll see different commercials of dogs, right? And if you just go outside, you'll see people walking their dog, However, right, 
a dog can be a German Shepherd, a dog can be a Chihuahua, you know, different size, looking completely different. It could be a poodle, right? It could be a, you know, pit bull. It varies, but it's still a dog. It's just like people. We could be short, you know, long hair, curly hair, but we're all people. So let me get back to the topic of dog. So what I did was um, Target, I'm not sure if they still have it, but Target used to have like a, um, a little area where they had like 99 cents things or things for a dollar, two dollars when you first approach the store, depending on where, you know, you're shopping, but Target in particular, right? And the 99 cent store. I went and I they had these um, different packet with different things that were grouped together. And I had a, got a group of pictures. They had pictures, and then they actually had the little plastic um, dogs and horses and all these different animals, right? And what I did was I had pictures of all different kind of dogs, and I showed it to my son. And we played a game of the dogs, you know. So I wanted him to understand, and it's almost as if I'm playing which one belong and which one don't. So with the five or six dogs or the one, you know, dogs that your child might regularly see in the street, okay, or maybe when you're visiting family or friends. And for the most part, it'd probably be a German Shepherd, probably be a Pit Bull, a Chihuahua, you know, whatever dog might be. So I had pictures of these dogs, and then you might put a cat in the group. And you might ask, which one is not a dog? And hopefully, with enough time playing this game, which one don't match and which one is wrong, hopefully your child will eventually know that the cat doesn't belong in the group. Also, when it came to a horse and a donkey, my son was very confused. And confused for a good reason. The donkey and the, um, and the horse, even though they are not in the mule, and the, you know, even though they're not looking exactly alike, they're built, you know, the way their body is built, right? You know, they're built, you know, a donkey might be a little, the color might be different, but he, I guess as a child, you know, his mind, he wasn't thinking about, well, the color looks different. He was just looking at the structure between a horse and a mule, right? And then you had the donkey that was built the same. Then you had the zebra, even though it had stripe, it's still when it, you know, the, the way it walks very graceful, it still looked like it belonged to that family of horses, donkeys, and whatever, right? And what I did was I matched pictures, and I sat down, and I started letting them know this is a zebra, okay? And it has stripe, and it's always going to have stripe. This is a donkey. It's much smaller than a horse. Look at the color. Look at the ears, right? All these different things. And I group things that belong in the sea or the ocean, which would be, you know, like shells. Then we move away from shells. And the thing is that you need to know how your child learns best. My son learns 
by touching, visually, audio, you know, he hears, he, he learns with all of his senses, right? So when it came to the water, for him it was, he knew fish belong in the water, but there were so many other things. Again, I went to the store and I I bought a bag of um, sea animals that was, you know, in the 99 cent store or Target. And we had all these different things that belong in the water, okay, besides fishes. We had shrimps. We had crabs, right? We had um, alligators, right? We had crocodiles. Everything that you can think of. So again, I'm introducing him to what can be possibly found in different parts of waters, but also what belong in the water. I'm not saying the, the um, whale, you know, the whale and the fish is the same or whatever. You know, eventually he learned that some were mammals and some were this and some were that, but we weren't doing that. What I wanted him to know is the difference between things that actually live on the land and things that live in the water. So we played. Again, we played a bucket of water, and we had all different things, and we wanted to only put the things that belong in the water and can live safely in the water. Again, this these plays depend on your child's cognitive level. Because again, we might want to introduce different things to our children, but if mentally they're not capable of understanding, it won't work. But if you see where your child is okay in learning to group things that even though they don't look alike, they belong, right? Like, it's the same thing. A roll, a bagel, a croissant, all these things are somewhat, can substitute each other. But at the same time, they taste differently and they have different names. So you can also introduce your children to that as well. A croissant, the regular bread, a roll that you'd use for a sandwich, a muffin. So all these things can possibly be eaten at breakfast time. Not to say you can't eat bread throughout the day, right? But you can introduce bread, croissant, all these things are grouped together. What I did was I bought my son a, a kitchen, I know a lot of people are not too keen on buying their boys a kitchen, but I did, and I bought him a cash register. I made one of the couch is um, bodega, you know, little little supermarket or little side stores, and I had all the things that belong together. And like I said, I taught him how to group animals that were similar but not the same. I taught him... The food were 
similar, but they're not the same because if you ask for a a role, the, the um, person behind the counter would never give you a croissant, but they were similar. They could substitute each other, right? I taught my son um, what belonged in the refrigerator versus what belonged in the freezer. As he got older, he learned the difference between what belonged in the freezer that's connected to the refrigerator in comparison to what belonged in the deep freezer. You can make a game out of all of these things. You know, you just finished coming from going to the supermarket or what have you, and you can sit with your child and you can explain where each item goes, right? So the canned stuff go over here. The ones in the back are now moved to the front because they were there the longest. This, in a sense, is ongoing life skill. Ongoing life skill. When you group things together that are similar, okay? Because for the most part, you know, if our children um, are capable of um, understanding, they will know that a boy and a girl is a person. It's just that a boy is built differently and a girl is built differently. But he know that we're all similar because we are people. So let me get back to it. You group the food and you play a game. Let's put the grocery away. Let's put them in the proper places. And you make it as fun as you can, right? Let's, you know, be my helper. And you do that, right? You do that. You go to the supermarket and you reinforce it. Where would I find the butter and the milk? And you both go through the supermarket until you find it. And you, again, let your child find it within the area. Where's the butter? Why is the butter here instead of over there? Because the thing is, if our children are capable of learning, as they get older, regardless of whatever level they may stop, maturity mentally, maturing mentally, we want them to be as independent as they can be, right? So you're going to teach them, okay, butter and cheese, they're both going to be found in the same area, but they are different. Yes, you can put butter on your sandwich. Yes, you can put cheese on your sandwich, but they taste completely different. But they can be found the same place at the store or in the refrigerator. The same thing with milk. That's a dairy product. So you're going to show your child the dairy area and you're going to let them know. You notice right here, this is the cheese area. You see how many different cheese they are. Right? You got the pizza cheese. You got the cheese that could make the lasagna. You got the cheese that you can just eat just like that as a snack. You want to teach them. Because at some point, if they become very independent, going to the store is going to be a big part of their life. Right? Um, 
learning to order food is going to be a big part of their life because um, you cannot order a sandwich and you meant a roll, but you say a croissant and then become upset and say, that's not what I mean. When you're ordering something, whatever you say is what the person, is the understanding of what the person is going to prepare that meal for you is going to go ahead and do. That's what he's going to do. That's what you, you know, you're going to get a croissant. You're not going to get a, a, a roll. You're going to get a croissant. So we have to, at some point, we have to decide how we're going to teach our children. You don't need to teach them everything at once. But whatever you're teaching them, you need to leave it at that until you see where they have excelled and then you move on. You can group winter clothes in comparison to spring clothes. Winter is way colder than the spring, right? Autumn, right? However, they have some days in the beginning of spring that can be really cold. It can go to 60. It can go to 55. It is not winter. But if it goes to 50 or even 45, in the morning, on a nice autumn morning where it's 55 or it's 50 or it's 45, you might need a jacket, right? You might need a jacket. For people that are, you know, that tend to get cold real fast, might even put on a scarf, you know? Some people might decide to wear a hat. So it's like it's not winter, but we can expect some similarity where the weather might be really cold in the morning like some days in the winter as well as as the day go on and it gets later in the evening it might become as well cold right so we have to teach our children things in group even though they're not the same because, you know, you might say, well, it's not winter, it's autumn to your child, right? And that day they might want to wear their winter coat and, or even a jacket. You might be like, no, you don't need a jacket. It's 69 degree outside. It's beautiful. And then you turn around and the next day it's 45. It's going to be very hard to convince your child that you said it was winter and I couldn't. But if we teach them things that are similar, it is easier for them to understand as they get older. And I'm talking about older in the sense of, let's say, teenager or heading towards teenager where they can understand where you said, you know what it is? Even though it's spring, it's really cold outside. So um, wear your sweater and wear your hat, you know, throughout the day, maybe when school is getting ready to be closed, you know, you're leaving school, right? It might be warmer than it is now as we wait for your bus, right? The same thing we have with clothing, with food, with everything, you know. You group things with your children that are similar. Taking a shower, right? Taking a shower. You have to group things that happen to prepare for a shower, okay? And that is, you're preparing for a shower, you have to prepare the clean clothing that you're now going to put on when you take a shower. You have to get your towel. You have to get your rags, right? You have to go in the shower. Before you go in the shower, you have to set the water, right? Because you don't want to go inside and start 
setting the water and get burned or get cold and get soaked or and fall, right? You have to teach your children to look inside of the tub before they go into the tub, that if there's something in the tub, they can take it out instead of going in unexpectedly without looking and fall, right? You have to teach your kids that they have to close the shower curtains or it's going to be wet on the outside. You have to teach your children that they need to get their towel. And if they're old enough and they're able to take shower, you have to teach them. You can no longer walk through the house naked. So either you're going to dry yourself off in the bathroom, get dressed, or you're going to keep your towel on, go in your room and get dressed. You have to group things together. Now you're in your room. Well, if you're going to go to bed, you don't need to wear your deodorant. But if it's in the morning and you're showering and you're going out to school or wherever you're going, you might need to wear, you might really need to wear your deodorant, depending on how long you're going to be outside, right? If you're just running outside to get breakfast, maybe not. But if you're going outside to play or to be outside for a while and it's going to be you know, you're wearing your winter coat, you're going to get sweaty. Or it's a hot day, you're going to get sweaty, right? You have to teach your children, you take a shower, you need to brush your teeth. You take a shower, it's not from neck down. You take a shower, it's your whole entire body that needs to take a shower. So you have to group things. You need your toothpaste, your toothbrush, your soap, your rag, your towel. In the room, you need to make sure that you have already laid out clean clothing, Right? So when you're teaching your children, don't, well, I can't really tell you how to run your show, but when you're teaching your children, do not go all over the place. Stick with what you're teaching until they have excelled at that particular area, and then you move on, right? Because now you're building a foundation. You can't keep chipping and building and keep chip, you know, going back and forth. That's going to be confusing. So if we're going to talk about the weather and how we dress in the morning, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at my phone and we're going to see that it's 50 degree outside. 50 degree, but is it windy? You know, because 50 degree and it's windy, it might be a little chilly. So we might want to lift the window up and stick our hands out and just for a minute or so and feel the breeze in our hands. Because, see, a lot of children that have autism, they, they, they are concrete thinkers. You know, it is what it is. It's a straight, sometimes it becomes like a straight arrow. If that's a zero, it can also be an O. And if you take the little part off, it can be a Q. You know, they're very straightforward. So that's it. When you have a straightforward learner and you're trying to teach, you might say, well, let me look at my phone. And you might teach them that you can get the weather as far as how much degree. But then again, you might open the window and let and both of you stick your finger, your hands out a little bit. And then you can say, well, um, you know what? How does that feel? But stick your hand out there long enough that you can really feel. And you might be like, you know, well, feels a little cold. So you said, okay, well, you know what? You can wear your light sweater and maybe a long sleeve. And later on, when school is out, you can put the sweater in your bag or you can carry it, but you don't have to wear it, right? So this is what you need to do. You need to group things with your children as you're teaching them. 
stay on that particular topic until they've excelled in that whole entire area, and then you go with something else. If it's how you dress for the weather, you're going to stick with how you dress for the weather. Then you can move on to each season with the understanding that even though it is March and we're in spring, we still can get snow, right? So after they have learned the weather and the climate and how to dress, in between there, they'll also get the idea that even though it's March, it could be really cold, really cold, where we might have to put on a winter jacket. And another day, in the same month, it might be really hot, where the jacket that we put on in the morning is be too warm to put on at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But you have to stick with whatever you're learning, you're teaching, I'm sorry, your child until they've learned it, right? Everything has to be in a broken down building, and you have to see everything in a, like a broken building. You know, this is what we're going to learn. You know, the soap is over there, the toothpaste is over there, the toothbrush is there, all of that is over there. And now I'm going to teach you how you use each of these things. And the reason why they belong together. And that's how you look at teaching your children. We have to understand that um, our children, their mind, right, is always thinking. They're overthinkers. So when we're teaching them, we have to kind of slow it down. Even though we want the process to go along, we have to slow it down depending on them, depending on their cognitive level. So if I have someone that is capable of understanding that you need to check inside of the tub if there's anything in the tub, because some, you know, you need to check the water before you go in there. You need to make sure you have your underwear and all of these different things if you're going to dress yourself in the bathroom. So you are now going to teach them how to group everything, the towel, the rag, the this, the that, the that, and this is how you teach. You can't just teach your child how to take a shower. You have to teach them to understand the materials you need to prep to take a shower, as well as the materials that you're going to need to take the shower. It's the same thing with animals. You can't just call. You'll say, that's a dog, and that's a dog, and that's a dog. At some point, you're going to start saying, that's a pit bull. All right, that one is a pit bull. That one is a German shepherd. That's a poodle. But you don't have to do it right away. It's still okay for you to just say, that's a dog, and it's an understanding. But if you clearly see where your child can now understand that they're a dog, but there's things that's different and there's, there's things that's similar, then you can start adding names to it. Because children are very good with names. Even when they can't pronounce it, they still understand. Because even if you... You have a child that is nonverbal, and the child might not speak. But if you say mommy, 
He knows who to identify with that particular name. So if you say mommy and mommy's not in the room, there go your mommy. That child is going to turn around and start looking about for this woman named mommy. So I want you to understand that whether or not my son was nonverbal, then spoke. So he spoke at four, four and a half, after two and a half years of no speech period. So even though he was not speaking back to me, I knew from the subtle nonverbal signs that he was understanding what I was teaching him, right? So I want you to not give up. And even if it takes a very long time for you to teach whatever you're going to teach, I want you not to stop. If you're potty training, you might be excited at first that the child knows how to let you know, let's go, I want to potty. Big deal, big deal, right? Big deal. You want to get to the point that the child understands that it's not only just important to go to the bathroom, but you want the child to tell you before they actually go on themselves, right? The child gets to that point. Then you want to teach the child how to wipe themselves. But that is going to come way after because you have to make the child understand the process, letting you know when they have to go to the bathroom. Then making sure they give you the right timing that they don't go on themselves, and then they go to the bathroom, and then you clean them. But then there's going to be a point, a part in the learning thing, learning all these different things, where you're going to have to teach your child how to clean themselves, right? And then you're going to let them know part of the process is flushing the toilet, and you must wash your hands with soap and water. So you're going to teach them that you still, you're going to have to make the water comfortable to how you like the water, hot water, mix with cold water, what have you, and you're going to have to put soap on your hands, and you're going to have to wash your hands properly, and then dry them, okay? So, you know, everything that we're teaching our children or want our children to learn is a process. And as we start looking at our children and we start noticing that, you know, okay, you, I can add one more thing to this and I can add one more thing. And that's how it goes. We have to group things because sometimes our children are not, are not ready or not capable or just too anxious, whichever or whatever it might be. But that doesn't mean they can't learn. Okay? That doesn't mean they can't learn. Okay? They might only just learn one part of the process, but if that's all they learned, then that's okay. It did show that they were capable of learning. Right? So um, that's all I really want to say tonight. I just want you to know that whatever you're teaching your children... Don't just stop at one thing. I want you to think of other things that can be added to the process, okay? They went to the bathroom, and it's fine. 
I want you to understand that part of going to the bathroom means to learn to wipe oneself and redress oneself and making sure that one is properly dressed and one need to wash their hands, not just with water, with soap and water. Get all the soap off your hands and then dry it. It's not just going to the bathroom and flushing the toilet, but it is a big deal when our children can go to the bathroom. But we want to teach them the whole process, if it's possible for them to learn it. So when your child learns one thing, I want you to look and see what can be added to that one thing and continue and continue and continue, right? As you help your child and I help my child to become a more independent person. So life skill is so important. And it's so important when we understand that everything in life that we learn, there's always something else that can be added to it to make it better. Okay? So um, I just want you to know that even if you have a baby, right, even if you have a baby and you might think that your baby can't learn or won't learn, I'm going to say, you know what? The baby's not crawling. You can put the baby on their belly when the time is appropriate. And you can do tummy, little tummy exercise. But whatever it is, it is your child. I know sometimes um, we listen to professional and they, you know, they have to give you their say-so on what they feel as a professional But I want you to know that there's no need to limit your child. Even if your child do not learn the whole process, whatever part of the process that your child have learned, it is still a success. Sometimes we look at success as the big picture. Sometimes success might just be a part of the picture. But whatever, for whatever it is or however it is, I want you to know whatever you're teaching your children, look around and see if you can teach something that can be added on to that. They love money. They know money. They have a speech problem. Go to the store on the off hours. Dunkin' Donuts is perfect, and let them order. Let them order, okay? So now you're letting them talk. They're having spontaneous conversation with the young lady or the young man that's selling the donuts or what have you, right? You go to the store. You let them be involved in whatever you're doing. And even if they're nonverbal, you let them be involved in whatever you're doing. So I'm going to bid you good night and never stop learning because you're always going to have to be teaching. Good night. Be safe. Love you.